Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to today's show. Joining me today is um, Bitcoin Q&A. You might have seen him on Twitter. He has um, been helping people learn about Bitcoin in a very, very easy to understand way. It's um, a labor of love uh, for for many people in this space, as um, I'm sure you're all, you know, becoming to um, be aware of. And uh, you know, we, we spent two hours almost um, going through not every detail of the Bitcoin layers and the Bitcoin rabbit hole, but um, but many in the most basic fashion as possible, uh, because quite frankly. I need to know the answers to a lot of these questions. And, um, you know, Bitcoin Q&A, he's humble enough to hold his hands up and say, I'm not an expert. I don't know. I'm just trying to pay this forward and um, help people figure it out that are coming, um, you know, along this path behind us. So hope you enjoy this one. It's, um, you know, it's a little bit for every everyone, I think, you know, um, whether you're, okay, not for the real deeply technically minded and um, you know, ten years into the space, um, doing your own thing, building companies, probably not going to resonate with you. But for the rest of us, mere mortals, um, there's something in here for everyone, and you're going to learn something. I guarantee it. Uh, really big, um, huge thanks to uh, Bitcoin Q and A for taking the time. And uh, this was his first podcast. He admitted he was a little bit nervous coming on, um, but I don't think that shows through in any way. Um, it was great to meet him, uh, you know, another fellow Britcoiner, which is becoming a thing. People, look out for the Britcoiners. Big, um, big thank you as always to to Obi at uh, CoinFloor.co.uk for supporting the show. Um, you know, if you if you do have access to the UK banking system, get over there, start stacking some Sats, just uh, weekly, daily, monthly, whatever you do it, however you do it. You know, however it resonates with you, what is a, what is the best way for you to do it? Go start and um, enjoy the show, guys. Uh, always great to have you along for the ride. Hey, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me is a uh, another Brit coiner. They're coming out of the woodwork, people. Uh, and this is Bitcoin Q and A, whose Twitter account has been gaining a lot of steam and respect lately. Got a shout out on. Um, Rabbit Hole Recap by uh, Uncle Marty. And um, it's uh, it's going really well from what I can see. So uh, Bitcoin Q&A, welcome to the uh, the show. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Pleasure. So, Lauren, now you wanted to ask the first question to Bitcoin Q&A. Yep. Two first questions, you mean? Okay. Two. I'm privileged. <laughs> Go on then. What, uh, what did you want to start with? So I'm going to start with... Why did you choose a robot for your um, screen thing, you mean, Judy? Okay, I thought this one might come up, you know. So the the robot that you see there on the screen, that is uh, what's known as a pay-nim. So it's one of the Bitcoin wallets um, that I and many other Bitcoiners use. It's called Samurai Wallet. And they implemented uh, like a cool little feature called the pay-nim. 
And when you set that pain in up, basically it creates a robot for you. So every single one looks a little bit different. So after, perhaps after you, after we finished uh, recording, your dad could show you some of them on Twitter. There's plenty of them uh, dotted around. And I'm sure if you ask him nicely, he might even set you one up. You could have your very own. How's that sound? That sounds good. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, did you have another question? Yeah. Can you can you do that roll thing with your kids that you told Lauren that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, before before we came up to to speak to um, the robot, uh, we were talking about um, how you. From what I understand. Um, it's a pretty new account, right? Um, from like November 2019. Yeah, so I've been lurking on my personal account for a fair bit longer than that, but I started to want to uh, interact a bit more, so I sort of ditched the personal account and came up with the robot. So, and um, I was, you know, trying to uh, explain to her that um, what, what you were trying to do was was tweet something each day, something uh, a little snippet that you'd learn about Bitcoin. And obviously being Bitcoin Q&A, you're open to any questions from anyone about any subject and you'll do your best to to answer. Uh, so Lauren then was asking me, what did you want to ask? Why do you only do it on Twitter, not on Instagram or Facebook or if even if you have Snapchat, Snapchat your friends with it? <laughs> Ah, I, I think it comes down to, uh, I suppose, everybody leads really busy lives and I'm no different. Um, so Twitter has become my sort of uh, platform of choice where I sort of dedicate my time. Um, so I think it's just a case of for me to sort of stretch myself across even more platforms like Snapchat, Instagram and everything else like that. Um, it would just... Uh, probably become a bit too much so i thought i'd focus a little bit more on quality rather than quantity shall we say okay that makes so much sense because on facebook sometimes there's just a load of rubbish <laughs> i completely agree not that you have an account no, or I, ever will but no, yeah but <laughs> right she, she said that this person said it looked mm. rubbish, hmm. like, yeah. yeah there's a lot of people wearing a i tell you what it, yeah, Facebook is, um, I don't know, it's like uh, a place to go to look at everybody's collection of victim jumpers. Is that me? <laughs> You'll learn. <laughs> right, do you want to say goodnight? Yeah, I need to, um, I need to go. You're going to go have an ice cream, yeah, I think? Yeah, right? I need to have an, uh, my ice cream because I'm literally sweating. <laughs> well, enjoy your ice cream and uh, make sure that your dad sends me over your robot once you've got one created. Okay, and you have a great podcast. I wonder what Daddy has questions planned for you. Mm -hmm. Since I took them <laughs> <laughs> um, Bye. Bye, Lauren. So, um, what what was the thinking then behind it? Like, uh, you know, um, just go rogue, go nim. Um, uh, <laughs> it's something many of us podcasters will never be able to do, I suppose. Um, but it's something I, I don't know that I don't know, man. I don't know whether I'm going to end up regretting it or not. It's just such a such a weird one. And when I hear you know people like Matt Odell talk about it, and uh, obviously he's out of the box as well, um, it's a strange one. Uh, I'd just love to know you know your, your kind of thoughts around that. 
Yeah, so um, I would say I probably sort of fluked it, so to speak. Uh, I first did it because I kind of wanted to uh, just interact a little bit more with people on Twitter. And my my sort of uh, friendship group was just not interested in Bitcoin whatsoever. You know, I'm sure we've all been there. We've had those conversations. And uh, probably much like yourself, you know, you give up after a while, don't you? So I, I, I had that sort of, uh, that need to want to interact with like-minded people uh, who share the same thoughts and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I just thought, okay, well, let's uh, let's start a, a name on Twitter. Um, I'm not ent- entirely sure how I came up with the name Bitcoin Q&A. Uh, th- this, was, this predates the, uh, the website and everything like that. Um, it just kind of fitted quite well because I was planning to go on, interact, learn, ask questions, um, and I suppose now that's kind of slowly evolved as I've learned so that I'm, I'm sort of the one answering the questions for the new people that are coming in, really. So, uh, yeah, it's been a journey. I've enjoyed it. And it's going really well, right? You know, as, as I said in the, um, in, the, in the lead up there, that um, you're getting a lot of um, good feedback from people. Uh, you know, Matt and uh, Marty, for one, uh, calling you out and... Um, I, I know, I think this could be your first podcast, um, and I'm sure there'll be many. Is that correct? That's correct. First time. So what, um, what do you think is interesting, people? In my account? Uh, I don't know. Even since I sort of uh, set the um, account up, I was still lurking a little bit. It was just uh, a place for me to go on Twitter and post. It's only fairly recently where I've started to produce the content. I suppose because I've only felt like I've had that sort of base level of knowledge really to start sort of thinking, do you know what, this this could help some people coming in. This would help me, you know, back in 2017 when I sort of came into the uh, so-called space or ecosystem. Um, and I just remember sort of the, the questions that I had back then and the pitfalls that I fell down. I'm sure you've done probably many of the same. So I just thought, let's. What, uh, what is sort of lacking in the space is just really simple, to the point information that just lets people sort of get a job done. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of podcast and information, long form information like that. That's I feel sometimes, which is fantastic, but it's geared towards people who already know what they're talking about. Um, and I sort of. I don't know, I just felt a gap really just to, there was a gap for simple to the point information that sort of gets people off zero. Uh, so hence why I started producing the content really. And what, um, what, what led you down like uh, the classic rabbit hole story in, in the first place, if we wind back in 2017, you said? 2017, almost right at the peak. <laughs> I was a, I'm a, I am a fully fledgling recovering shitcoiner. Um, so yeah, story goes as follows. Um, so I was uh, in work at my uh, Fiat job, as uh, Mr. Odell likes to call it, um, and the guy who who sort of shared an office with me was, was playing on his phone, and he said, "Dude, I'm uh, I'm mining Monero on my phone," and I'm like, "You're doing what with your what?" Uh, so he starts to tell me about what Monero is and, you know, he's basically, he was waxing lyrical saying, this is free money, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, hmm, free money. I like the sound of that. That sounds pretty good. So, uh, so I started sort of 
going on YouTube. That's my generally my uh, medium of choice for learning new things. So I went on there, started following various horrific crypto accounts that I probably shouldn't even name for fear of, well, getting anybody else uh, involved with them. Um, and then I sort of fell down the Litecoin rabbit hole. Um, I looked at it, I thought, oh my God, this is basically Bitcoin, but it's like 20 quid. Um, I thought, what's not to lose? So I started following a couple of accounts, you know, Litecoin accounts, watching videos on price action. Uh, that, that it was like with most people, I I'm not afraid to admit it was the, the price action and the promise of uh, number go up that got me into the space. Um, and then it kind of just stemmed from there, really. The, the guy that I was uh, following on uh, YouTube, who was the Litecoin account, I could see him slowly starting to uh, pivot towards Bitcoin. He was sort of showing more of that content. I was thinking, hmm, this is strange. For, for a guy who's uh, been so hell-bent and shilling you know, Litecoin for so often, so frequently, um, I was thinking, this is strange why he's changing his bias. You know, Why is that? And then from there, I suppose it kind of stemmed into, I stumbled across some Andreas videos, uh, the famous Andreas videos. I think they feature in everybody's uh, rabbit hole story somewhere along the line. Um, so yeah, and then that's when I started getting involved into the into the more technical things and trying to understand the protocol, understand, um, I suppose the technical bit was what got me hooked really. Uh, not that I'm an expert by any means, but, uh, and then I suppose from that, uh, around about the same time, I got a new job, which involved a hell of a lot of driving up and down the UK, which meant uh, plenty of time for podcasts. So I would say the the guys at TFTC and Stefan Levera, they were my sort of go-tos. And I just, I've listened to everything those guys have ever put out and uh, just kind of learned over the course of probably halfway through 2018 until now. I've just been add into my repertoire of podcasts and now I've subscribed to more than I could even imagine listening to, you know. Um, so yeah, here we are. I kind of fed, head o fell head over heels, should I say. Um, and just, I can't get enough of it now. It's kind of taken over my personal life and every waking minute is a quest to find out about the new, uh, you know, the new wallet, the new node implementation, something like that. Um, so yeah. It's about my rabbit hole story. So, and now, now on Twitter, like the uh, the idea is you you put out a, like a little snippet daily. Is it is that correct? Can you t tell us a little bit? Yeah, about that? yeah. So, so the idea behind that is, um, yeah, just basically, obviously, Twitter is uh, notoriously full of well, all sorts. And so I thought that you know this the idea was that I would put out one daily tweet, which would be something that somebody would find useful somewhere along the line, um, you know, whether it's the latest uh, wallet release or the latest podcast from yourself or an article released by one of the wallet developers or just something that somebody's going to look at and read and go, oh, do you know what? That was interesting, you know. And hopefully, um, which I'm really looking forward to, December 31st, uh, I don't know if you've ever used the uh, Threader Unroll app where it sort of, or a, a whole tweet thread into a, an article. So I'm going to run that on New Year's Eve and uh, post it out and it should be a bit of a, a kick-ass uh, 
uh, article, really. You know, just kind of a, a year in a year in Bitcoin of 2020. Mate, that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, just along for the ride of just trying to educate more people about um, about Bitcoin and what it uh, what it is and what it could mean, and uh, trying to get people onboarded in um, like uh, like a, you know, a non pushy way, I suppose. Like you know, in yeah, the- yeah, exactly. I try and I try and make all of my content um, as basic as possible. You know, I always say that give them just enough information to get going. Um, and hopefully, because that's how I work is, you know, if you give me just enough information to work something out, as long as I can get sort of something working, I'll then I'll go away, play with it, find out all the new features and things like that. So because it is daunting for new people coming into the space. And I just think um, it can be overwhelming sometimes, you know, if you, if you open an article or you, and you see that it's a 25-minute read or you, you open a YouTube video and it's like an hour long, there's not a lot of people that are going to sit down in their spare time and think, right, I'm going to sit down and watch this video or, you know, dedicate a lot of time to it. No, exactly. And that's why, um, you know, the ad- the advent of podcasting and um Audiobooks have been so key. Uh, I can't imagine what my commute would have been like, you know, like 25 years ago if I'd have had <laughs> yeah, yeah. like uh, podcasts. Um, yeah, it's uh, rather than just reading like the Sun newspaper. <laughs> Honestly, po- podcasts have literally sort of saved my life in terms of commuting. Some of the, the drives that I used to do would have been unbearable without sort of uh, three or four hours of Bitcoin-related content to tune into. I can't remember the last time that I put the radio on in my car, to be honest. No, because what I mean, it's, it is like the matrix kind of plugging yourself in to to download knowledge in like a short space of time. It's like they're amazing, and it, it doesn't yeah. whether it's yeah. a Bitcoin I, one or not. I, I think um, I think because I because my sort of immediate friendship group, sort of in real life, so to speak, isn't interested. Um, I find that podcasts and, and speaking to people on Telegram and Twitter is that's my sort of that's how I get my daily fix sort of thing because I don't get that sort of stimulation in real life to talk about the things that I want to talk about sometimes. I've got a theory that I, I don't think COVID has affected Bitcoiners at all because it was the perfect excuse not to go and hang around in your normal social circles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably bang on right there. Because they can be exhausting now, right? Um, it's like you know when when you, I don't know. I don't. I think we got to be careful as well to use like the words normies or noobs. Um, you know, we 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 can't be shouting from a, a high hill, um, if if you know what I mean. Um, but at the same time, when when you're down in the local pub or you know you're going out for dinner with um, with people that just, quite frankly, are never going to even pay any attention to Bitcoin, even when it's through the roof, they will still not believe it. Um, you know, they'll, you know, I've got a few friends. I just know, I just know they'll never, ever, ever, ever do it, ever. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's always going to be those uh, those naysayers. Um, I suppose that's just a fact of life, isn't it? There's, you're not going to uh, orange pill everybody. But, uh, you know, I know what you're saying when, you, when you're down the pub or anything like that. It's, it's, I don't know about you, but your brain's always working on overdrive to the, the conversation in your head always stays back to Bitcoin or, you know, there's always something related, isn't there? Especially when you get into politics and, <laughs> and all that 
You just you just stand there like a crazy guy, like rocking back and forward, murmuring, Bitcoin fixes this, Bitcoin fixes yeah, this. Exactly. <laughs> but you don't you don't bring it up. Uh, nobody wants to be that guy, do they? No, definitely not. Right, okay then. Let's 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 do some basic questions, which uh, I know a lot of people listening to the show, they um they send uh send questions like whether it's DMs or messages, um, emails, whatever. Um and one one message I get a lot is um, around um, wallets, and it's very confusing because you know it, it is a wallet like a wallet on your phone, like we were talking about Samurai earlier, or is a wallet um, like a, a hardware? And you know, what's a hardware wallet? And then, like, once you've got the hardware wallet, you know, why should I even have that? And why should I take my coins off of an exchange? And when I've got my hardware wallet, what? Does that mean the coins are in that particular piece of software? And it's really, really difficult. So if we could yeah, um, just do like some basic, you know, what's like um, like a, an app wallet, for example. Uh, so if you just describe, you know, if, if you want to take one, use Samurai and uh, just describe what that is used for. And then uh, perhaps we'll do one on uh, hardware wallets. Okay, so so a, a mobile wallet, obviously one that you install on your mobile phone, um, is just generally it's a an application designed to manage your Bitcoin. Um, you can think of it as a keychain uh, that allows you access to your Bitcoin. Um, your Bitcoin are never uh, stored physically on that phone. Um, obviously, all the Bitcoins live on on its distributed ledger. What you hold in your mobile wallet is a set of keys to access your Bitcoin that have been allocated to you that you purchased uh, or earned or whatever onto the, on that uh, Bitcoin blockchain. Um, so mobile wallets obviously come with the benefits of you can take them with you wherever you go. Obviously, the downside to that is, you know, if you've got your life savings on your phone and uh, you lose your phone and you haven't got it properly backed up, then you're in trouble. Um, I suppose that links qu quite nicely into hardware wallets and, and sort of where they come in for most people. Um, a hardware wallet is kind of a, a dedicated device. Most of them generally look like USB sticks uh, or calculators in the case of a cold card. Um, and they are sort of a dedicated device with a really, um, with a single use. Basically, they are designed to look after your Bitcoin private keys, which are effectively the keys to the kingdom. Uh, with those private keys, they can spend all of the Bitcoin that's stored, or all of the Bitcoin that's associated with the addresses uh, in that hardware wallet. So generally, these are deemed safer because um, obviously it's a dedicated device that doesn't, you know, you don't have any other applications. There's no Twitter, there's no Telegram anything like that that could interfere with uh, the, the, you know, the device's sole purpose of securing your private keys um, and keeping them, keeping them safe, basically. Right. So there's a key point there that um, definitely tripped me up when I, when I started my journey. Um, it's like, uh, okay, I've made, the, I've made the step. I've got the, the hardware wallet. I've plugged it in. I've written down my words. Um, yeah, why words? Do, do, do you know? Like, uh, why are we given? Why are we given words? It's because uh, an actual private key um, is a, is basically uh, unreadable in, in, for humans. 
Um, it's just basically a string of numbers and letters that's really long and humans find really difficult to read. So that is converted um, through a process that's far more technical than my abilities. Uh, but that is sort of converted into human readable words <clears throat> that uh, are just easier for us humans to manage, basically. So, you know, you're less likely to, you know, if you're writing down a string of 24 words from the English dictionary, you're, you're less likely to make a mistake than if you were writing down a string of, I'm not sure how long the string is, but, you know, of, of garbage, basically. Yeah, exactly. And then the next thing that um, confuses people about that process is okay. I've written down, written down the words. I'm going to keep them safe somewhere, um, or even better, memorize them, um, which is easier than you'd imagine. Listeners, don't don't uh, ever, ever, you know, kind of think, oh, I've got a bad memory. It's um, honestly easier. Don't ever store them on a computer. Don't ever store them on your phone. Don't take a picture of them. It's just write them down, put them somewhere safe. Um, then. People get mistaken into thinking that the the coins or the funds are actually on that USB stick. Yeah, yeah, one I fell for definitely when I first started out. So yeah, like I, I touched on it earlier, basically uh, the, the bitcoins only ever exist on the distributed ledger, uh, which obviously, when you run a node, which I'm sure we'll come on to later, you're, you you download a copy of of that blockchain. Uh, which you keep for your your own records to reference and to transact and everything like that. So they, everybody has a copy of that. So you could argue that Bitcoin exists everywhere and it also exists nowhere. Um, but uh, yeah, so a wallet, basically, whether it's hardware, software, desktop, anything like that, is basically a selection of keys to access your sort of small portion of the Bitcoin blockchain. Right, okay. And then, so we, we have the the Bitcoin blockchain, which is basically just um, most people could associate that with any kind of uh, accounting ledger. Um, yeah. It's just who owes what to who and um, you know, the, the, the specific addresses. This is another thing people like kind of um, get a bit uh, spun out by. Um, what a, um, a Bitcoin address looks like and... Um, that actually serving as it, you know, that that's that address is placed on the blockchain, and that address is then linked to your wallet. Um, could you explain to people like um, why it's important to use um, unique Bitcoin addresses and mix them up and not use the same one? Yeah. So, so um, I should have said earlier when you create a wallet. Again, doesn't matter what type of wallet it is. Um, that is, that wallet is capable of creating um, thousands, hundreds of thousands of different addresses. You know, they're, they're free. There's no charge to creating them. Um, and most wallets these days, uh, when you um, when you receive Bitcoin, they'll generally sort of hide that uh, address away from you so that you can't receive again to that same address. So why is that bad? Um, Obviously, the Bitcoin blockchain is completely open uh, by its very nature. And what that the downside of that is that um, people such as chain surveillance firms um, can sort of start to fill in the gaps, uh, so to speak, and they can start to um, link different addresses together by by various spending habits. And if you reuse addresses, so let's say 
let's say you were receiving, um, I'll use a donation as an example. Let's say you put a donation address on your website and you just put one one address on there. Um, every time you got a, a donation, the Bitcoin would go into that um, and you, you, you'd be, that would be your Bitcoin. That's great. But anybody that looks at that address will know how much Bitcoin are in that address. So they'll know, okay, well, Daniel, Daniel's received 5 million stats in donations. Um, if you were to do the same with something like BTC Pay Server or an, any application that would generate a new receive address every time that you got that donation, you, all of those pieces of Bitcoin will be spread across however many addresses you received to. Um, so that will give you additional privacy benefits to say, well, each donation goes to its own address. It's all still in your in your big pile of Bitcoin, so to speak, um, but you get that privacy so that basically only the person that donated to that one single address knows how much they sent and that you own it. hope that made sense. Yeah, I, I guess um, a, a good way, <clears throat> uh, perhaps a good analogy, would be um, each time you create a new address, uh, to receive Bitcoin, uh, or if you if you're exchanging fiat currency for Bitcoin uh, on an exchange, for an example, and you want to receive that Bitcoin, you create a new address, and each time you create a new address, I suppose is like opening like a brand new bank account. Yeah, it's like a new identity. Whereas, if you keep the same address each time you're stacking Sats, that same address is getting filled up, fifty pounds a week, hundred pounds a week couple hundred pounds a month, whatever you're doing, if that's all getting channeled into the same Bitcoin address, which might be capital A, small v, XYZ, one, two, three, four, whatever, those funds are going to channel into that same address and just slowly start stacking up. Exactly, exactly. So what I would would say is, sorry, go on, Daniel. I was going to say, listeners, make sure you're using different addresses just to kind of um, spread out your... To be fair, most of the of the popular wallets now will do it for you. As soon as you uh, receive Bitcoin, it uh, doesn't matter what amount. You won't see you won't without going digging and looking for it. You won't see that address again. It'll just sort of be hidden away from view. Obviously, you're still in full control of it, but the next time that you go to receive, um, it'll just give you a brand new address. But they do it all for you. Okay, I think we've covered that. Now let's go to um, not your keys, not your coins. And um, why it's important to once you've once you've come to the decision, right? I'm going to change my hard-earned dollars, pounds, um, yen, Korean won, whatever it is that you've earned, and you're going to change that into Bitcoin. You know, well done, huge pat on the back. Um, that's a scary thing to do. But then making sure that you take custody of the bitcoins that you've bought on that exchange. Um, could you explain to people, um, you know, why it's important to do that? Yeah. So, so this is for me is is uh, the quintessential idea of why of what, one of the quintessential ideas why Bitcoin was created. And um, there's a, there's a common saying uh, in the, in the space that goes something like, "Not your keys, not your coins." Um, and what that's essentially saying is that if you don't control the private keys to an address or a wallet. Um, essentially, it's not your Bitcoin until you do control those private keys. So I use an example. Let's say you buy on, I nearly said the C word then. Let's say you buy on Swan Bitcoin or, uh, or Coinflow, uh, hashtag sponsor of the pod. Um, 
if you were to purchase and then leave those coins, so you've exchanged your fiat, you, you know, you sent them under quid, uh, and they've deposited what you know a million sats into your uh, account with them. And um, basically, that is uh, I would call it an IOU. So effectively, uh, Swan Bitcoin will say, or Cash App, or whoever will say, okay, yeah, in your account with us, you've got a million sats. Just like the bank would say, yeah, in your savings account, you've got £3,000. Until you've got that Bitcoin withdrawn into a wallet that you created, um, that's not your Bitcoin. Um, so I would urge anybody listening to this that has got any amount of Bitcoin on any exchange to withdraw as soon as they can, really, because this, uh, there has been some horror stories of, well, obviously Mount Gox is a big one. But there's been many, many hacks since then where people have lost significant amounts of Bitcoin um, because they left it on the exchange and they weren't in control of, uh, of those all-important private keys. And, um, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of people listening. Um, I don't want you to be put off by this, right? Um, this isn't... Um this isn't something now where you should just say, right, screw it, I'm never going to buy Bitcoin because it's um, it's not insured or, or anything like that. Or at least with my bank account, I can go and get my money whenever I want. That's not the case either. What what you don't, um, what we what we kind of brush over is if you like, we think the money in our bank is our money. It's it's not. As soon as you give your money to a bank, it is their money. Um, the the equivalent IOU on that is either the checkbook that they supply you with or your ATM card. And then, by the way, you're only allowed to write checks to a certain amount and you're only allowed to withdraw a certain amount each week. Um, and if the bank is hacked, your funds can disappear very, very quickly. You'll be insured up to a certain amount and the bank will be on the hook for that and they will have to replace it. Um, but if the bank goes under and bankrupt, um, in the UK now, I think it's anything over 80,000 um, that you're storing yeah, would be lost, so. Yeah, would be completely lost. So it's not that different to what we already know. It it, it feels like, you know, um, it feels like that money is ours. But I guarantee you, if you go into your bank tomorrow and just say, can I have 10 grand out of my bank account, please? They're going to laugh you out of the foyer. So... <laughs> Don't um, don't think um, that uh, you know this. This would be a uh, a blocking point to to start, you know, buying Bitcoin and, and taking control of it. Because once you have control of it, it is yours. Exactly. I think I think that's a great example of of uh, showing the power of you know one of Bitcoin's use cases. And you know, you use the example there of somebody wanting to go in. And I think these days, you know, even if it's just a couple of thousand pounds, the banks start asking questions and they want to know. What are you using it for? You know, why is why do you need this money? You know, and at the end of the day, that's your money that you've earned. You know, you you spend hours and hours slaving at your job to to earn that money. You should be able to. You should be free to do whatever you want with that without any questions asked. So, I guess uh, enter Bitcoin. You know, um, the protocol doesn't ask any questions whether you want to transfer five thousand sats or. You know, five million dollars. It's uh, it doesn't ask any questions, and you can do you know transfer to who you want when you want. Um, and I think when people actually see that, when they download a wallet and they withdraw off off Cash App or wherever they buy from, and they see that, oh my God, you know, that's that was so easy, so simple, so fast, and this these funds are now under my control to send wherever I want, whenever I want. It's it's a powerful thing. It really is.
Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, I remember when I was uh, a very young 29-year-old um, wanting, uh, you know, turning up in the UK because I'd lived abroad and uh, wanting access to the £10,000 I'd been um, saving diligently at the Woolwich Banking Society, um, Building Society, excuse me, since I think I was like 12 or 13 and uh, birthday money and, um, you know, paper round money and, uh, you know, a little bit of a top up from mum and dad every now and then, I needed that money to to pay for my wedding and I went in to, to try and withdraw it and uh, nope, nothing done. Um, even though I had my passport, I remember the, the girl at the desk calling head office and explaining, oh, yeah, well, it's, yeah, well, it's a British passport. Uh, yeah, it's got pictures of birds on, like, the inside. And, uh, oh, yeah, right, okay. No, sorry, sir, we can't verify this. You can't have your money. And, like, <laughs> that was all it's those years crazy, ago. Unbelievable. Um, so, and to think things have got worse now as well is, is just scary. It's mad. It really is. You know, the system is rigged against us. Um, we put all of our trust and, well, everything we have, everything we own, all of our, you know, what what we do, our, what we, we exchange our time for money and then that money just goes to a bank that doesn't care about yeah, us, doesn't really care about ours, that money. It's not really ours. No. So let's move on to nodes because um, that's definitely the the next part of the journey, and it's something I really want to get into now personally and um, learn a great more deal about. So, could you explain um, what Bitcoin um, Core is and what a node is, and then why that is important as well? Okay, so I'll start with uh, a node first, and then to Bitcoin Core because obviously that's an example of one. Um, so, so basically, um, a node is your sort of it's your copy uh, of the Bitcoin blockchain. It can run on um, most commonly um, it runs on single board computers like a Raspberry Pi or something like that. And, and your node is your copy of the blockchain. It's the enforcer of your Bitcoin rule set. Um, and I'm conscious that this is kind of, there's a lot of buzzwords going in here, but basically to sum it up, it's kind of like your gateway into the Bitcoin network. So no matter what, which wallet you use, uh, if you want to send or receive Bitcoin, um, you have to do so through a node. If that node isn't your node, then you are 100% trusting somebody else's node. So I'll use an example, Ledger, Ledger Nanos are really common um, hardware wallets. They come, the new ones come with an app called Ledger Live, uh, which is like an app that uh, you install on your phone and, and it allows you to sort of uh, manage your, uh, your accounts. You see all your Bitcoins, the early transactions, everything like that. So when you send a transaction through the Ledger Live app, uh, nice and easy, really slick UI. I used to have one myself. It makes it really, really simple. When you send that transaction, that then gets pinged over to Ledger's node, wherever that may be. I'm going to guess in France. Um, they then broadcast that on your behalf. And that is exactly the same if you if you were to receive Bitcoin to the same wallet. Um, the receiving transa- transaction would come through their node, so you're trusting them. So 
Um, so why is that a bad thing? Um, essentially, they can see Ledger Live in that example, know how much Bitcoin you have, how much you're sending, who you're sending it to, who you're receiving it from. And when I say who, I mean, obviously, a Bitcoin address. Um, so they may not necessarily know who that person is. They may not have a name, but they will have uh, and a Bitcoin address um, to say, right, okay, I know Daniel received 5 million sats on the 25th of June. Uh, and this is the fee they paid. This is where it came from. And now I know it's sitting in Daniel's wallet. Um, so there's, there's, there's lots of trade-offs um, with trusting companies like, like Ledger. I'm just using them as an example. I'm not saying they're malicious. Um, it's just a case of everybody's threat models are different. Um, so for me personally, by running your own node, um, you don't need to trust anybody. You're trusting your own hardware, your own software um, to broadcast, receive your transactions. So if somebody was to, to uh, in fact, I'll go back to the Ledger example. Let's say hypothetically that Ledger turned into a malicious actor or somebody within the Ledger team got turned into a malicious actor. In theory, they could um, tell you that you've, tell you, Daniel, that you've, on, on today, you received 5 million sats. Um, but in reality, um, because they've, uh, they sort of modified their software, they've actually stolen them from you. Again, this is kind of worst case scenario, but these are the hypothetical questions that uh, come with not running your own node. Essentially, if you run your own node, you don't trust anybody else. You are using Bitcoin, for me, the way it was designed to be used, um, and nobody can stand in your way effectively. Right. Now, would that be the same then um, if, uh, because, you know, if I use uh, an example of uh, another hardware wallet that people are probably you know, very well... Um, uh, exposed to with, with Trezor? So, yeah, of course, each one's different. Um, I only I use Ledger as, as an example because I used to own one. Trezor, I think the default setting is you access them through uh, a web uh, a web browser. Uh, I think by default it does use their own. You do take them back to their node. So it would effectively be the same situation. Um, I do, however, think that you can um, use uh, your own instant instance of Electrum uh, wallet. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. Basically, that's a wallet that you can, uh, it's a desktop wallet that has uh, hardware wallet integration. So you can uh, use that desktop application to manage the Bitcoin that's contained or that's uh, controlled by that Trezor. Um, but the default is, yeah, you use their node. Okay, so if there are people listening to this now, slowly filling their pants with <laughs> anxiety. It's not easy. Thinking, it's not easy. I completely agree. <laughs> but, you know, we, we might have guys out there or girls, um, excuse me, ladies, um, that have a ledger or, or a trezor or, um, you know, something else um, and are now thinking, holy crap, I've been doing this all wrong this whole time. Uh, I've missed the whole thing. Um, might be even beating themselves up a little bit. You know, what's, um, what, what's the next step then for, for, for people that are thinking, right, you know, what do I need to do then? How do I rectify this and go that, that next layer? Yeah, I think just to, to answer your point on um, 
the, the fact that people are going to be cacking about so thinking that they've done it all wrong or anything like that and I, and I would um, I would sort of uh, disagree with that um, I've personally been there done the same thing and um, I wouldn't say they've done it wrong it, it's a spectrum you know uh, everybody comes in and um, the, you know they buy on the KYC exchange they leave uh, they leave those coins on that exchange then they learn a bit more and they think oh I should probably um, take custody of this Bitcoin. I'm going to download a phone wallet um, and I'm going to transfer that Bitcoin onto that phone wallet. Great. That's step one. Now that they're thinking, okay, well, my phone wallet is talking to somebody else's node. Perhaps uh, I should look to running my own node. Um, so then they look into implement the various implementations of node um, so then they can connect their mobile hardware, whatever wallet they've got, to their own node, um, and that is kind of the the peak, you know, the way it was designed to be used, if you like. So um, obviously, I'm under knowing illusion that nobody's going to come in in their right mind and go, right, I'm going to buy a call card, I'm going to run my own node, uh, I'm going to be the most secure Bitcoiner. You know, it, it's just not going to happen, and I, I don't think anybody in their right mind is. Uh, of that mindset to think that um, it's going to work like that because nobody comes in knowing everything. And I hope that people like me, myself and yourself, you know, we're here to sort of hold the hands along the way and get people to that ideal end state uh, where they're sort of interacting with Bitcoin in a, in a sort of private and sovereign way. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And um, it was your it was your node comparison tweet that uh, an article um, you know you made that beautiful visual graphic um, that you tweeted out the other day. It was that that piqued um, Matt O'Dell um, his interest and gave you the shout out on uh, the tales from the uh, crypt uh, podcast. Yeah, which yeah. listeners, if you I'll, haven't, I'll, I'll let you into a little secret. The, the, the idea for that uh, that sort of infographic, so to speak, came from Matt himself. He had a, a very rudimentary version um, that he did quite a while ago with sort of less boxes on it. It was basically an Excel spreadsheet. And I thought, you know what, that's a really great idea. Um, you know, I'm going to make it look pretty and add in a few more things and, and sort of add it to the website. And uh, hopefully it'll help a few people make that leap. Yeah, for sure, man. And there's there's going to be new products coming on the market as well. I think it's definitely going to be a growing um kind of sector in this in this in this space in this kind of um like weird bitcoin space that we find ourselves in uh there's going to be more companies coming out offering offering nodes and uh plug and play is going to be a huge business i think if you've got like the the perfect plug and play node um you're off to the races. Could you, through your comparisons, um, would you mind going through like uh, you know a few different ones and what you think um, might be the best for um, for those of us that uh, are thinking? Right, I think I've done everything up, everything else okay until now, um, but I've really got to get over my fear of the next step and take on the node. Yeah. So, so obviously. Um there's two ways you can well there's two sorry i'll say there's three ways main ways that you can do a node you touched on one earlier and that's bitcoin core and uh, that is basically just a piece of software uh which you download onto your desktop laptop whatever it is um it's uh, essentially a desktop wallet 
with a full node in the background. So your computer, when you run that software, will download a full copy of the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, and that will be your all-in-one desktop wallet, node, everything, which is really, really easy. Um, the only things you need to consider there are the uh, hard drive space. Obviously, the Bitcoin blockchain is probably around 300 gigabytes at the moment, so you need plenty of spare space uh, to run this. The uh, the next step, um, well, sorry, I should reverse. Um, obviously, the Bitcoin Core only runs if you've got it on a laptop or a desktop when that computer is running, which isn't ideal, you know, in terms of power consumption, electricity costs and everything like that, to leave a computer like that running all the time. Hence why most people run uh, a node on a, a single board computer like a Raspberry Pi. So I suppose the next step would be to buy a plug-and-play um, node box, as they've sort of been known to uh, known as. Um, so the, the, the common ones of those, uh, just looking at my list now, is the MyNode one, um, which is basically you get a Raspberry Pi 4, you get a hard drive, it comes pre-installed with the software and everything like that. You literally, as the name says, plug it in and play um, it will then download a copy of the blockchain uh, using your own internet, which I think is an important note to, to touch on, um, is that although you're buying all the hardware and software, it doesn't actually install the blockchain until you've got sort of custody of the device. So you can be sure that um, it's not coming pre-installed with some malicious software or something like that that's um, gonna um, you know, play foul in the future. And I suppose the, the, the final and sort of slightly more hardcore um, approach would be to buy all the hardware yourself uh, from Amazon or wherever, download the software off the various websites. So we've got, um, again, MyNode, they do a free download, soft, free software download. Uh, it costs absolutely nothing. Um, there's also uh, Ronin Dojo, which is uh, a very much samurai-focused implementation um, and you've also got the Raspberry Blitz, which is, again, it's just a software download uh, from GitHub. Uh, you just uh, build all the hardware yourself. Really, really simple. There's plenty of guides out there. Um, and I suppose that was would be the sort of uh, the ultimate way to do it, to do the whole node thing, because you know that, uh, if, you know, you would have to get the Raspberry Pi um, the hardware, uh, the, the hard drive and everything like that, you know, the chances of one of them knowing that you're buying that to do a Bitcoin node and, and installing some malicious software on there is very, very slim. Um, so I suppose if I was going to push anybody to, to install a node, it would probably be that way. It's really not as difficult as most um, as most uh, people, you know, newcomers to the space would think. Um, and one thing that I will add is... Um, that, uh, sorry, one, second. one thing that I will add is um, I would say that my node is probably by far away the easiest install for new users. Sorry, my new puppy's just uh, making a bit of a racket there. <laughs> uh, I would say my node is probably by far away the easiest uh, implementation. And I would just I'd probably give a bit of a shout out to uh, Katan from Ministry of Nodes. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but 
he's been a full installed guide of uh, of the miners' software. So he literally there is a step by step guide of which hardware to buy, which software you need to download, what you need to plug in where. Um, it literally walks you through from start to finish uh, and just makes it so so easy. Uh, so yeah, big shout out to Katan there. I think the, the videos that you've done are fantastic. Uh, just so we get this um, completely right for the listeners, um, the shout out is for Ministry of Nodes. And um, what what was the account? Sorry, what was the name? Uh, the account on YouTube is Ministry of Nodes, and the, the guy that did the videos is called Katan. Uh, but you should be able to find him on YouTube. Um, K, K, I think his, his username is K3TAN. But if you just search Ministry of Nodes on YouTube, that'll give you everything that you need to know. Okay. There's something here I want to dwell on, actually, because um, it it still blows me away every time. Let's say, you know, the listeners are like, yeah, okay, brilliant. I'm going to go out and buy one of these nodes, the plug-and-play one, whether it's a my node or um, uh, another one out there, whatever they're happy with buying, or they build their own. When they plug that in, and that starts um, downloading the blockchain. That's yeah. That is the whole blockchain. That is every transaction that has ever happened of any size, any time, any day from day one. That is that is what people. That's what people mean when they say it's, you know you become your own bank because you literally know every transaction that's ever taken place. It's like having that. That still gets me. Exactly, and I think that is credit to uh, the developers that are, you know, working on the core uh, protocol. Where you know the improvements that they've made since 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 Bitcoin's inception to allow these transactions to still take place. You know, I have no idea how many take place each day, but um, the fact that it's still only three hundred gigabytes is quite staggering, to be honest with you. And I suppose that's that's the whole point. Um, of why they've tried to keep these transactions as small as possible so that they can keep the block space so small so that it allows normal people like me and yourself to easily run these uh, these nodes without needing really powerful uh, server farms and things like that. Um, it all plays into Bitcoin's decentralization and the fact that it's just so, so easy to run a node now. And you just touched on something there that listeners might have heard before, but not completely understood um, about keeping the, uh, the the block size low. And um, you know, a few years ago, going through the the block wars and hearing words like fork, um, could you kind of explain like the block wars and um, explain you know what a fork would be for those people that might be like you know kind of thinking. Oh, all this language, I don't understand it. Yeah, so so uh, the block wars obviously predate me in terms of my Bitcoin uh, career. Um, but from what I can gather, basically, there was there was two factions in the Bitcoin camp. Uh, one of them wanted to keep the blocks the same size, uh, and the other camp wanted to make them bigger. Uh, so what does that mean? Uh, basically, effectively, the, the bigger block camp wanted to... to they thought that that would increase the amount of transactions that could take place on the network, which, strictly speaking, yes, with a bigger block, you can increase, you can include more transactions in that block. You think of it as adding uh, a couple of lanes onto a highway, you can get more cars down it. Uh, the problem with that is that the block, with making the blocks bigger, 
that means that the amount, the size of the blockchain grows at a much greater rate. Uh, so what does that mean for a normal user? So that means that when you or I uh, do that uh, initial block download, when we set up our node, uh, it just means that we've got, you know, effectively so much more data to download, which would make it almost impossible uh, to run on a, a really cheap single board computer or a desktop or a laptop. Um, you would need, you know, a big server farm to be able to download all of that. Um, and that's, uh, and Bitcoin's uh, decentralization, again, a bit of a buzzword, um, is sort of, uh, one of it, that's one of its powers is that it's easy to spin up a node um, and, and interact with the Bitcoin protocol in a way that it was designed to do with big blocks and a, you know, a really large blockchain. Uh, that would be really difficult. Uh, and that would mean that only people with powerful computers and server farms would be able to, to run those nodes. And that would sort of centralize the protocol and make a, you know, a few people very powerful. And a question I was asked at the dinner table the other night by my uh, almost 15-year-old daughter, who is the boss of Bitcoin? That's the beauty of it. There isn't one. Um, so This blows was, people's uh, minds though, right? It, it blew my daughter's mind. And I'm like, you know, how do I explain this? How, how can I explain that there... There is no CEO, there is no boss, there is no marketing team, there is no um, kind of I don't know, product almost. Like it's not, it's not a company, it, it's not um, a stock. Um, how do you do that? So, that, so, yeah, again, like you say, it's really difficult, but uh, I suppose what I would say is. Um, Bitcoin is essentially just software at the end of the day. Uh, it's, uh, it doesn't have any feelings. It doesn't care whether you like it or not. It doesn't care whether you participate in it or not. It will just do what it was designed to do. It'll keep running. It'll keep producing blocks, whether you or I use it or we don't. As long as there's people still mining those blocks and there's still people sending transactions, um, it'll just keep chugging along. Uh, nobody... You know, and in terms of uh, your question of who controls it, so um, for any changes to take place, any serious changes, uh, the network would need what's called consensus, which is essentially uh, just a majority. Um, so a majority of people that run nodes um, would need to agree to implement a change in the software on their own node to say, yeah, I agree with this. I'm going to make those changes uh, from this block height, which is basically this day. Um, at this time, I'm going to start abiding by these new rules. And as long as there's a majority um, that abide by the new rules, um, then that is uh, deemed as a consensus change. And that's generally how uh, most changes, you know, very simply take place on the protocol. And just so... You know, in case people are kind of scratching their heads, um, you use the term block height in your um, answer. W would you mind just uh, expanding on that a little bit and what, yeah, what you yeah. um, mean by that? You know, it's so hard to explain things without putting buzzwords in. I've just realized that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so block height, basically. Uh, so every time um, people send transactions across the network, 
they're included into blocks. Um, those blocks are basically uh, a load of transactions grouped together uh, that are processed by people who, who dedicate uh, lots of c computing power um, to facilitate those transactions, and they're called miners. So once they've grouped up um, uh, some transactions, um, put simply, they sort of perform um, computing... Uh, <laughs> Uh, how can I put it simply? They can they perform computing uh, processes on it onto that data. They sort of what's called hash them together. Um, and once um, one of the miners uh, is successful at uh, the process um, of hashing all of these transactions together, um, they they they're known to have mined a successful block. So uh, a block is a group of successful transactions that gets added to the block before it. So hence the name blockchain. All of the blocks are chained together. They're all built on top of one another. Um, so a block height basically is what is... So let's say from 2009, uh, we've added one block, then two blocks, then three blocks, and so on and so forth. They're all built on top of one another. Block height is basically what is the most recent block that everybody agrees on. That was a very long-winded ex explanation. I apologize. No, it's it's fine. It's 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 so difficult to um to to explain. Um, so yes, it's called sometimes um, a blockchain or sometimes the ledger. Um, and if you want to use the example of a ledger, like an accounting ledger, um, every time somebody exchanges uh, money with someone, um, you would write down that um, exchange in the ledger. Um, and you can think of it like in a column, like in a classic accounting form, um, it, it forms a long column in written form. You do it downwards. Um, so when we're talking about block height, we're talking about all of these transactions, um, get solved and, um, a new block is created and that goes on to the existing blockchain or onto the existing ledger. And that becomes the new block height. And this happens on average around 10 minutes, um, every 10 minutes, uh, Bitcoin Q&A. That's right. And, and one thing I will add is that the nature of the way the blocks are put together is, let's say, they're stacked on top of one another, so to speak. So to alter um, a block that occurred 10 blocks ago, you know, um, you would have to alter all of the blocks after that as well. Um, which gives Bitcoin its security. So the older a transaction is, the more final it is. Um, so uh, that sort of adds to Bitcoin's security, uh, which is probably where you'll, you know, users will hear, um, "Oh, my transaction's got one confirmation." That effectively means there's been one block um, on top of your where your transaction was mined, um, so you can be sure that. The, uh, the amount of computer work that would be required to undo all of that sort of hard work that the miner put in uh, is significant so that, um, you know, you can, your transaction can be deemed as final um, and almost irreversible. Yeah, exactly. And to use the, um, the written kind of uh, analogy, uh, you'd need a hell of a lot of tipex to go through... <laughs> Yeah, that was a more succinct way to put it. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> barrels and barrels and barrels of it. <laughs> um, 
to go out and erase and then rewrite everything. And uh, yeah, and then once you've done that, carry on the ruse and rewrite all of the the next nonsense that comes, right? Um, but, you know, listeners, um, if, if you're interested in finding out about you know where the block height is right now. You can head over to clarkmoody.com. Um, Clark's going to come on the show because he's put this whole dashboard together. And as we're speaking, um, the block height uh, right now is 636,320. Sorry, 636,320. Yeah. Um, so that's since, well, 2009, Bitcoin QA. The countdown to the next halving is on. <laughs> yes, it is. Halving. All right. You've there's a segue. There's there's a beautiful segue. Um I can tell you, blocks the next halving, two hundred and three thousand six hundred and eighty. So there you go. What is um what is a halving event or a halvening? I don't want to have that argument with you right now, mate, but um you know definitely, definitely a halving, not a halvening. <laughs> Were you, you a grammar to... geek? <laughs> Yeah, I must have been. I think I must have been. Um, so halvings, yeah. Um, obviously, I've touched very, very briefly on the mining process. Um, so I, I, I mentioned earlier that when a, a miner um, who contributes uh, significant amounts of computing power to securing the network, um, if they are one of the lucky ones that sort of, um, without getting too technical, mines a block that is deemed correct by the protocol, uh, they receive what's what's known as a reward. So basically that is the process of new Bitcoins being minted, so to speak. So the miner mines the correct block. Uh, he then gets a reward from the software. Say, thank you for your work. Uh, here is 6.25 Bitcoin, which is the current reward. Um, every four years, that 6.25, well, it, I'll rewind. It started at 50 Bitcoins. So if you mined a block when, when the protocol first launched, you would have got uh, 50 Bitcoin. Yeah, that's a hell of a lot of money right now. Um, for, you know, the miner would have got 50 Bitcoins. And bear in mind that these were being churned out at a rate of every 10 minutes. So there's a lot of Bitcoin flooding onto the market back then. Every four years, uh, that's, uh, that block reward is reduced by half, hence the name halving. Um, so it went 50, 25, 12.5. Yeah, 12.5, um, and then we are now uh, in the 6.25 halving era. So in uh, just under four years, because we've just had a halving, uh, the block reward will, will reduce again. Uh, it will half, um, and that keeps going then until roughly the year, if you've got uh, Clark Moody's dashboard in front of you there, Daniel, you could probably give me the exact year, but it's somewhere around 2140, I believe. Uh, where the reward goes to zero, and the only um, the only reward the miners will get then will be transaction fees that are included into each block. So that's basically what uh, the users will sort of say: "Please submit my transaction into the next block. I'll give you this much Bitcoin." Yeah, and um, well, the next halving, half halving, excuse me, uh, <laughs> a slip of, slip of the tongue, mate. Um, <laughs> The, the next halving is going to be 9th of April, 2024. So, you know, set your, um, set your clocks, uh, put it in your calendar. Um, so I, I think we've done 
halving. We've definitely done nodes. We've done wallets. Um, we kind of touched on mining. Um, do, do, is there anything else you wanted to say about mining? Get a little bit deeper there, or, or do you think you've covered it? Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's a difficult one not to do, um, not to, to get into the rainy technicals, which is absolutely not my remit, unfortunately, as much as I would have loved to have been a miner back in back in 2010, uh, reaping all those awards. It's uh, not my forte, not something that I've ever been uh, heavily involved with. So I'll, uh, well, I'll keep it as simple as I have done. I would say, actually, you know, um, for, for listeners that, um, you know, the days of you and I getting a kind of plug-and-play mining rig up and running, uh, uh, you know, they've long since sailed. This is now a multi-billion dollar business and um, just leave that to the guys that um, are happy investing you know millions you know of what? dollars go ahead i'm going to jump in there and, and challenge that narrative because uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion that while i believe that yes the big money is to be made with you know bit mains and the big the big mining farms that have got all of the money to invest in the latest uh, the latest hardware i do think there is a place admittedly not for new users but there is a place for um so-called garage band miners. Um, there's a there's uh, one of the samurai guys uh, called Diverter. Um, he's recently put out a piece where he sort of talks about how you can um, get yourself a miner, set it up in your garage. He shows you all the pitfalls and things like that, and shows you what to look out for, and basically sells it as a really good way to get yourself some KYC free Bitcoin which is probably another great segue. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's not for everybody. And obviously everybody's um, energy prices will vary. But I think if you've got reasonable uh, electricity costs and you've got somewhere to store a really, really loud uh, piece of equipment, such as a miner, I don't think it should be um, uh, kiboshed as quickly as most people do these days. I think it does have its place. But again, like I say, it's not for... Uh, the beginner, um, but I'll I'll send you the link to that that um, that article that he did. It's a really interesting piece. Yeah, please do. And if there's any listeners out there where you live in um, very low cost, um, you know, energy uh, kind of, um, well, you, you need good energy, right? You you, you need dependable energy. It, it can't be cutting out, um, at, you know, like peak hours or, or dropping off. Um, then it could be worth yeah. it could be worth looking into. Students, I'm, I'm looking at you, students. A lot, I know a lot of students in the UK still get electricity included into their uh, into their dorm fees and things like that. So, might be a perfect opportunity. But don't come to me if you get into trouble for doing it. All right. That that's a great point, actually. Um, and do you need um, if you want to do if you do want to do the mining uh, like that? Is it just the electricity you're after, or do you need an internet connection? Yeah, yeah, you need an internet connection. Uh, you'll need a way to manage the heat, so um, probably some fans or ducting or something like that. Again, it depends where you live. You know, if you live in a really cold climate, you might get away without it, uh, without sort of uh, heavy-duty fans and whatnot. Um, but again, you know, it very much depends on the situation. You know, if you live in a one-bedroom flat in the middle of London, um, you're probably not going to want a, a miner whirring away in the corner while you're trying to watch uh, Netflix with your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Sats. 
this is a word that is going to get people a little bit confused because we talk about um, mining for Bitcoin and um, what you just said there, you know, it's a good way to to mine yourself um, some Bitcoin. And people are going to be like, yeah, why wouldn't you? You know, one, two or three Bitcoin, that's that's uh, right now 15, 20,000 pounds. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Whereas what, what you're you know really saying um, is you're going to start um, probably collecting some sats. Um, could you... Could you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, in terms of what a SAT is or in terms of, of the mining side of things? Uh, in terms of um, what a SAT is, yeah, what, what SATs are. Yeah, okay. So so uh, it's, a, it's a big thing amongst Bitcoiners at the moment. It's called uh, unit bias. You know, when you, when you sign into, um, well, hopefully you don't, but if you were to sign into Coinbase these days, you would see uh, a plethora of... Uh, things that aren't Bitcoin, I'll put it politely. Um, and you'll see, you know, oh my God, I can get one of these coins for uh, four pounds. Why would I buy that when Bitcoin is, uh, however much it is, you know, about 8,000 pounds at the moment. Um, so I think a narrative that, that is slowly starting to gain traction um, is that every single Bitcoin um, can be divided down to 100 million uh, Satoshis, that is uh, generally accepted as the smallest unit of Bitcoin, without getting too technical, you know, I th- I'm sure there are smaller units than that, but it's the generally uh, the smallest unit that is accounted for. So um, you can buy from most places as little as a few sats. Uh, so if you're uh, a new user coming into the space and you see one Bitcoin is um, £8,000 or however much in dollars, um, don't feel like you need to buy uh, a whole one. You can literally just put £10 in, you can put £5 in, or you can put £5,000 in, although I probably wouldn't advise that for your first uh, your first stack. Let's uh, dip your toes in first and uh, get used to how everything works. But yeah, I, I think unit bias is a real thing, and hopefully uh, some of these exchanges start to implement uh, SATs as their unit standard. A lot of wallets nowadays let you switch between Bitcoin and SATs. Um, so it is slowly starting to gain traction and hopefully it'll start to shift some of that unit bias that, that we're seeing with uh, particularly new users that, that sign in. I know I know exactly uh, where they're coming from because I did it myself. But, you know, touched on it earlier. It was the case of why would I buy one Bitcoin at however much the price was then when I can buy a Litecoin for 50 quid or however much it was. You know, it's a, it is it is a real thing. It totally is, and we've all done it, listeners. Um, you know, don't worry. We, we've um, you, you might be thinking, oh, you know, I'm so late to the Bitcoin space. Um, you're not, and everybody here, anyone that you've seen on Twitter, anyone um, you know who's podcasting or writing books or articles, we've all all done the same thing, and we've bought one of these other coins instead of Bitcoin because we thought Bitcoin was too expensive. Um, and this is, you know, kind of like the main reason we do this is to try and help you understand, just don't do that. Don't do what we did. You know, we've, we've beaten that path. That's well trodden. Just follow it and, you know, there'll be a big orange bee at the end of it. And that's all you need. <laughs> exactly. And what, one thing, perfect, uh, perfect time for me to shill is uh, talking of common mistakes. One of the pages uh, on my website is, is literally called Common Mistakes. Um, and that is essentially a list of, of mistakes that I know that I've made some of them myself and that I know others have made. Um, so 
I would urge anybody, you know, listening to this that uh, wants to, or has recently got into the into the whole Bitcoin thing, is sit there and have a read of that, and hopefully they will make you uh, think twice before making some of the pitfalls that I know myself and many others have made. And what's the what's the website, mate? So we can make sure people get there. My website is bitcoinqna.com, um, and the page I was just referring to is. Uh, common mistakes you'll see a link to it from the home page and there's lots of other links on there sort of uh, talking about nodes talking about lightning talking about what is a wallet uh, literally basic stuff you know um, hence the name it's bitcoin questions and answers and um, put in as simple a format as you can uh, sorry as i can and to answer you know give you just enough information not to overwhelm you but so that you're empowered uh, with enough knowledge to take the next step, you know, to download that wallet or to withdraw your funds off a off an exchange or or even to start running your own node. Um, hopefully, there's enough info there to sort of uh, whet your appetite. Um, and if there isn't, feel free. There's a link on there to ask me a question if there's anything you're not sure about. Uh, I'll be happy to help out. That sounds like an uh, an awesome. I'm going to go check out the common mistakes, and um, perhaps I'll uh, like send the link across to Guy Swan. Maybe he can read it out. I think that'd be a cool episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be sweet. I'd like that. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder whether we could um, pull it somehow. Um, I'll run it past him. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if there's anything to be done. Uh, right. Okay. So we, we've covered Sats, and Sats, you said, is short for Satoshi. Yeah, exactly. Named after the uh, after the elusive uh, founder uh, of the protocol, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah, the, the smallest uh, Bitcoin denomination uh, is one Sat, one Satoshi or Sat for short. Yeah, and there's a hundred million of them in each Bitcoin, so there's plenty to go around. Yeah, and um, for those um, for those that don't know. There, will, there is a hard cap of the amount of Bitcoin that will ever be uh, mined uh, or released into circulation, and that is uh, at 21 million. Um, and Satoshi Nakamoto um, is a completely um, private, pseudonymous, we don't know, man, woman, or group of people that wrote what is commonly called the white paper where you can go and um, just Google it. You'll be able to read it or go to Guy Swan's um, Bitcoin Audible podcast. He'll read it to you whilst you're driving. And, um, you know, this idea was launched and this is where Bitcoin comes from. And this is what is still so difficult to explain to people. You know, I was in the pub the other night with a friend. You know, we come out of lockdown in France and uh, I was telling him... um, about the podcast, and he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. And um, he said, oh, I was in Bordeaux the other day. And I'm like, oh, right, yeah, we were in Bordeaux in um, November. Um, and my wife turned around and said, oh, yeah, and we had to wait for you ages whilst you were inside that Bitcoin place because they have a, a small um, Bitcoin kind of Q&A place, really. Um, go and That's learn cool. about Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, it's it's happening uh, very slowly, but it is happening. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of snarkily snipped oh so what you go in there and you give them money and then they give you nothing and you're like mm. do you want to talk about football or something else like because i'm done now <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's move on let's move on, let's move on. <laughs> um 
There's one more thing I I, I want to touch on, uh, and then we can um, just make sure we've checked everything off. Um, and it's lightning um, because I think there could be a, a, a little bit of confusion among people that they might think lightning is um, another altcoin or um, uh, something different because it sounds very much like Litecoin. Could you um, just just help listeners um, understand exactly, you know, if they hear this terminology, you know, lightning, um, what, what that is? Yeah, it, it, lightning is um, it's basically a, a solution to uh, scale Bitcoin. Um, it's built on top of the Bitcoin protocol itself. Uh, it facilitates um, generally smaller uh, and near instant payments at a very, very low cost. Um, so what, what it does is uh, it prevents every single transaction that you make across Lightning. Uh, not all of them will be recorded on Bitcoin's uh, blockchain. So obviously that has the benefit of, number one, you don't pay uh, those uh, sometimes expensive fees. Um, and number two, it doesn't uh, bloat the blockchain, which again comes back to what we were talking about earlier with uh, Bitcoin's decentralization. You know, it keeps the blocks where it allows the protocol to keep the block smaller because it takes some of those transactions away from the main chain. The key thing to note is that although they're not taking place on the Bitcoin blockchain themselves, um, the security of the Lightning Network is still anchored very much into the Bitcoin blockchain itself. So you can't transact on Lightning without first uh, having or owning some Bitcoin. Um, what else would I add to that? Um, I think there's a lot of um, hype around Lightning, and, and sometimes rightly so. Um, I, I personally don't think we're going to need uh, Lightning for quite some time, just because uh, the Bitcoin blockchain is so efficient and fees are really low, uh, even after the halving. You know, they've, we had that little spike and then they dropped back down again. And again, I think that's testament to the way that the protocol is designed. Um, I, I don't think we really see lightning shine until the fees start to rise because more people are using Bitcoin, um, which obviously will naturally drive fees up. Um, I think that's when we really see it come into its own. Um, but effectively, yeah, to summarize, it's a scaling solution built on top of Bitcoin that is wholly reliant on Bitcoin. You know, it can't function without it. Thanks, man. And let's... Do you want to hit some nuance for those listeners that might even be wondering why the hell does this word yeah, nuance yeah. get thrown around so much? <laughs> nuance with, with with lightning? No, with, with anything. Like, what, what? Did you ever use the word nuance until you kind of like Never. entered the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, another word that's used a lot is trade offs. Um, you know. You, you can interact with Bitcoin in the most private way possible, uh, but the trade-off or nuance around that is that, you know, you may have to use an app that isn't as polished and as shiny as perhaps the uh, app that's produced by somebody who makes it really easy for you, but, it you know, you trade off some of that security and some of that privacy. Um, I'm trying to think of a real-world example, um, but... Uh, you know, the, the protocol isn't perfect. Uh, the wallets that are built aren't perfect. Each one comes with uh, comes with its own trade-off. Some of them are easier to use. 
um, but you rely on somebody else's node. Uh, some of them run over Tor, Tor network, which is uh, inherently more private, but generally they're a little bit slower. So there's, there's always things to consider. And I suppose that's some of the things that when I did my wallet comparison and the node comparison, uh, I tried to discuss in terms of, you know, yeah, it might have this feature, but, you know, that comes with the, the downside of needing to, I use Lightning as, a, as an example. You know, if you if you run your own uh, instance of Lightning, you, you know, whilst that's the most desirable way to do it in terms of privacy, uh, you're then going to have to um, manage your own channels, which, again, to somebody just coming into the space, you're going to think, what the hell? Um, but, you know, you don't have to interact with Lightning in that way. There are uh, simpler ways to do that and that sort of obfuscate that away from the user. But, again, that comes with nuance. It comes with trade-offs. If somebody else is doing something for you, the likelihood is that you're giving away a little bit of that privacy and a little bit of that security. And to have that better user experience. And I think, um, you know, like if we're all looking for better privacy, um, that we, we have this thing that's kind of like entered, um, you know, the conversation um, called CoinJoin. Um, could you explain to anyone that might be sitting out there, you know, scratching their heads, what is CoinJoin and, and, and why would I even consider using it? Yeah, so this is a coin journey, something that I'm really sort of passionate about, something I use, uh, well, every day, in fact. Uh, coin join, um, you some, sometimes you might hear it called mixing. Um, it's basically it's um, a technique that is used to break what's known as the common owner, common input ownership heuristic, which is uh, a lot of fancy words for basically to say uh, it 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 uh, stops people uh, from tracking you across the Bitcoin blockchain. CoinJoin is basically a collaborative transaction. So two or more people will sort of pull their funds together um, into a into a transaction that's constructed in a certain way. So as uh, it kind of jumbles everything up to put it very simply, and um, so that anybody looking at that transaction, um, you know, like a ch chain surveillance firm, wouldn't, you know, they'd know the person that put the input in, but they wouldn't know with absolute certainty on the other side of that transaction, which of the outputs belong to which of the people that put, which of the people that use the inputs. Um, so it's basically, um, you know, it's not a silver bullet. It's kind of, um, uh, I like to think of it as a line in the sand. So if if you're careful with how you manage your Bitcoin after it's been through uh, CoinJoin uh, implementation, you know it's very very difficult for somebody looking at the blockchain to know that that was Daniel on that day. And I I know for sure that Dan those those stats are Daniel's, um, and we're going to follow him. They they just can't do that. And what is the point of these chain analysis companies? What's um are they important or is this something we need to be wary of or is there like something in the middle that Yeah, I think I think we absolutely need to be wary of them. I mean, obviously they market themselves as um stopping criminality, you know, we we're doing it to stop the bad guys. Um for me the problem is um it's kind of I look at it as dragnet surveillance, so 
they're sort of uh, looking at everybody as a suspect rather than um, just going after the bad guys, so to speak. So, you know, for me and you, me or yourself or anybody who's just wants to gain that privacy um, when using Bitcoin, um, why should we have our transactions monitored? Um, and because uh, a chain surveillance firm sees that we've interacted with somebody that they don't agree with, you know, they might flag our transaction, which would mean, you know, in some extreme cases, uh, accounts have been frozen on exchanges. Um, and obviously that doesn't, uh, that doesn't fit with most people who got into, got into Bitcoin. They got into it to be, to be able to transact with whoever they want, whenever they want. Um, obviously, you know, I don't want the listeners to think that, you know, I'm, I'm pro criminality and I'm pro, uh, people using money for illicit activities. Uh, the problem I have with it is, is where, uh, everybody gets, uh, tarred with the same brush, so to speak. Um, and which is exactly what chain surveillance firms are doing. So CoinJoin to, to sort of tie it all together, CoinJoin is, uh, is Bitcoin's fight back effectively. You know, um, if somebody coming up with a coin join transaction, if they're looking at the blockchain, is effectively like walking into a brick wall. Uh, you know, they can't they can't see around it, so to speak, not effectively anyway. So if we've got Bitcoiners uh, listening to this, that um, you know they've they've done everything right so far. They've um, they've gone through the steps. They're they're perhaps even running their own node, um, but they've you know these are legacy coins that they've been stacking for like five ten years. How would they go around now coin joining and kind of world pooling or mixing and, you know, would you say masking? Would that, would that be kind of like the right terminology? Um, yeah, so, so what I would say is you, you use the right word there, world pool. Um, for me, Samurai uh, samurai and their implementation of coin join, which is world pool, is uh, by far and away, you know, the best implementation going is, you can do it on your phone now. You don't need any any extra um, any extra software. You can just download the app, get you sapped into that wallet, and just do it straight off your mobile phone, and just you know, you no know, plugging into a computer, no nothing. It couldn't be any simpler. And for anybody looking to do that, there's uh, I've got a. If you go into the article section of my uh, site, there's literally a step by step guide to how to do your first coin join using Samurai on your phone. Um, Sorry, I've forgotten what the, the question was. I've got waylaid. No, no, you've nailed it. Um, you know, it just um, it was all about, um, you know, how, how would someone go around doing that? Say they've, like, you know, it, to go back to your original uh, example, someone might be sitting there with this Ledger Nano that they've had for five years or whatever and, you know, might have, a, 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 you know, if they've been stacking for a while, they might have a fair amount of sats on there, which they, they just want to, mask a little bit and um kind of change up yeah. and kind one, of like you know one thing i will come in and say is that in, using that example there if somebody's been stacking with uh ky uh, you know a kyc exchange uh simply throwing all of those saps through whirlpool isn't going to erase the fact that they have you know that that kyc exchange knows how much bitcoin they've bought so that, you know, Whirlpool wouldn't erase that. What it would do is to say um, surveillance firms would know, okay, so uh, they've transferred uh, 5 million sats from the KYC exchange. We can see it going into another wallet 
oh, that looks like a coin join transaction. They're not going to be able to know on the other side of that transaction um, where those SATs have gone afterwards. They, they'll have a group of addresses, but they know, won't know which one's which. So the, the KYC exchange will still know that on on this date, at this time, this person bought a thousand pounds worth of Bitcoin. Um, so it's not a, a magic bullet. It just provides on-chain privacy, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've got you. And I don't want to start alarming anyone. Um, you know, I don't think um, these on-chain um, analysis companies are, are tracking every single thing, right? Like a thousand pounds, they're not going to care. They're looking for like the the whale kind of um, moves. But I don't know. What, what, what's What's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I completely agree. You know, if if, if I was uh, one of these guys, that, that I'd be looking for the big numbers. Um, you know, that's naturally the way you would you would uh, go for it. You know, you look for the big stuff because that's likely to be the where the, the sort of uh, the, the problems are going to be. You know, if you're just moving, uh, you know, a couple of million traps from address A to address B, the likelihood is that they're um, they're not going to to sort of, you're not going to flag up. Um, but obviously, you know, we don't know where this is going to go long term. You know, if Bitcoin really takes off and people, you know, ultimately, if you've gone through a KYC exchange, somebody knows that you've got Bitcoin. And again, like you said, I don't want to scare anybody. You still own the Bitcoin. It's still yours. You know, they shouldn't be really worried about it. Um, it's... Uh, how can I put it? It's just that an entity knows that you own that much Bitcoin. So, um, yeah, just something to be wary of. Uh, conscious, I don't want to scare anybody because it's uh, it's just ifs and buts at the moment. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. And I noticed on your website that um, you've got, um, this is awesome, you've got at least one, two, three, four, five, six languages, one of which I think is even Esperanto. So I'd love for you to speak some Esperanto. <laughs> I wish, I wish. Uh, yeah, so that that's, um, when I first threw up the uh, the website, uh, I was really shocked to a couple of people messaging me, messaging me on Twitter saying, um, you know, oh, you know, I've got some friends who, who uh, I'd love to sort of get into the space, uh, but, you know, reading it in English might be a bit too much for them. Would you mind if I uh, translated the website for you into German or in Polish? And I was like, well, yeah, of course, go for it. So, uh, yeah, I was really uh, blown away by people's generosity with, you know, with their time. Um, so some of those, what I will say is some of those languages on there are still a work in progress. I'm still uh, waiting for some returns off some of the kind uh, guys who've pledged to, to do it for me. But uh, yeah, most of them are, are pretty much all the way there. Uh, yeah, I think it's awesome. And uh, for those listening, um, there's there's German, Esperanto, Spanish, French, Italian and Polish. So if anyone's listening, speaks any of those languages, can can help Bitcoin Q&A out, you know, finish this, or um, speaks another language and is happy to come in and, and help translate, then, um, you know, this this all pushes us a little bit further in the, in the right direction of, uh, of the educational process. Yeah, quite right. And I'd, like I said, I'd just like to give a huge shout out to everybody that's helped me so far. Um, you know, if, there's, if you go down to the bottom, there's a, a list of... Uh, 
it should say, see all uh, contributors. You can go on there and see all the, the awesome people who've contributed their time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm clicking it right now. It's awesome, man. Um, you know, thanks so much for um, for for listening. Uh, you, you know, you said at the beginning of the show that you've listened to all of the podcasts. It's very humbling. Um, glad to have added value back to you somehow. And, um, you know, what, what, what you're doing is um is incredible um did you think it was going to go like this like when you started no no absolutely not like you say i I kind of uh just got in with the intention of being able to interact with with the people i followed um without sort of giving away my personal identity um and it kind of just grew from there really i I just literally got orange pilled and and absolutely fell down the the rabbit hole and it like I said earlier it took over my personal life and I just uh, as I learned more and more I just wanted to learn even more and even more um, and, and I slowly got to a point where um, I spent far too much time on telegram uh, particularly in like the minor group uh, the samurai group and things like that um, and I started to, to notice that there was new people coming in um, and I could actually answer the questions that they were asking I thought, hmm, perhaps I have learned something. Uh, so yeah, uh, again, I, I, I started to help out in the, in the Telegram groups and just answer the questions. And one thing that's helped me learn as well is if um, if I didn't know the answer to the question that somebody else was asking, uh, I kind of took it upon myself to go away and find the answer. Um, and I suppose that's probably been one of the key ones that's uh, that's helped me learn. Um, because I just sort of I wanted to know the answer to that question because it annoyed me that I didn't I wasn't able to help them so to speak so uh, yeah it's uh, it's been a bit of a uh, a funny one and I'm sure my boss in work probably wouldn't thank me for spending too much time on Telegram but <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you ha- you felt exactly the same at school right you know I just yeah. got to go away and pick that textbook up and learn the shit out. of <laughs> Not exactly, not exactly. And uh, but yeah, I, what what I would say to anybody coming in, you know, if you're looking to 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 download a wallet or to start running your own node or something like that, get yourself into the Telegram groups. Honestly, as addictive as they are, there's some really really helpful people in there that will uh, are more than willing to spend their own time to help you get you up and running or to solve any problems that you're having. Uh, you know, there's there's so many so many kind people out there. It's uh, staggering. And there's no such thing as a, a like a, a dumbass question, right? It, it, it no, just absolutely isn't. Not. Absolutely not. It's it literally is the most humble sector. Uh, I I know a lot of people will look at Bitcoin Twitter and and kind of be like, "The hell is going on here?" <laughs> yeah, I would advise new people just be selective as to who you follow. I think uh, <laughs> I've slashed my the amount of uh, accounts that I follow more than in half in the last month or so and uh i feel so much better for it it's um it's a funny one i remember being on a on a podcast panel with uh john vallis and uh kayvon devani who are excellent podcasters in the space as well and we we had lawrence white on the show um who's uh very much a uh a big gold bug um boomer generation gold bug uh university professor and um you know he one of his kind of questions to us was 
well, don't you guys just like sit there and think it's ridiculous when everyone starts beating their chest when the price goes up like five hundred dollars or you know? I'm like, you're missing. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, so much there, more. <laughs> there's like one that's all just tongue in cheek and um, kind of like the, the amount of in jokes and to use that horrible word again, nuance um, that. Uh, is being missed by like the the mainstream guys you know when, when you're actually sitting in the middle of bitcoin twitter and um you, you start getting a handle of it it's pretty it's pretty much a dull place um without all the shouting and histrionics and uh and messing around and comedic value um tongue-in-cheek in yeah. yeah infighting sarcasm irony um it's fun, you know. I, I want to point people to, and it's not like Bitcoin Twitter is its own thing. Don't go to BitcoinTwitter.com, right? You know, it's, <laughs> go to Twitter, start an account, um, just fo- hashtag Bitcoin, search, and just start following some people. Slowly do it, and um, you, you know, you, you'll start picking up on like the latest vibe and the latest trend, or the latest article, the latest book, or you know, whatever. It's um, Take everything that you read with a pinch of salt, a very big one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I've, uh, I've got a question for you, if you don't mind, Daniel. Go for it, mate. So when are we uh, getting you set up with a node then? I'll take it from the conversation that you're not uh, running on at the moment. No, exactly. I'm at the point now where um, I'm looking for the uh, the plug and play option. I've been in DMs with uh, with my node, um, who unfortunately don't ship to my part of the world right now. I've been in DMs with uh, El Sultan because I love the look of Pandora. Um, really do love the the look of that node, and um, um, he, you know, he he sounds like um, just like, like the most passionate Bitcoiner. Bitcoin, uh, um software hardware design guy kind of out there um i want one of those on my console <laughs> table you know when people walk yeah. in um you know he he That's has a the, good conversation starter isn't it yeah exactly he i mean he has the apple ethos um like uh i'm gonna make this thing as sleek and as good looking and it's got to be as good on the inside as it is on the outside no fans um that, that to me sounds, sounds like, like you know an amazing uh amazing thing to to invest in but otherwise um yeah i don't know man what do you think do, do i just do i just get the raspberry pie and just about to say yeah if you if you haven't struggling uh, getting stuff you know plug and play node ship just uh, i will happily uh, give you a, a parts list uh, that you can order in off amazon and uh, we'll get you up and running i'd probably suggest if it's your first one that will go for the minor software you know, you've only got to pay pay for the hardware. We can get you up and running with the with the community edition, um, and there uh, we'll get you started from there. I think, but uh, it's certainly an option. Literally, just get yourself a Raspberry Pi, get yourself a a hard drive and a SD card, and you are good to go. And uh, I'm more than happy to hold your hand, and we'll get you up and running and get you uh, turn you into a fully fully uh, sovereign hardcore Bitcoiner. Let's do it, man. I'm ready. I, I am all up for that. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. What, whatever you, whatever, whatever links you send me, I'm ordering and, um, then we'll get it done. We'll have a few beers and, um, a zoom call or whatever it's going to take and, uh, we'll get it, we'll get it sorted out. Let's, uh, let's do it. I'm looking forward to it. 
And um, is there anything um, like uh, final? Oh, hang on. I've got to ask you the final question. Um, I was waiting for this one. <laughs> my goodness. You've probably been prepping for it. Uh, ish, um, ish. But uh, yeah, go on, sorry. Well, I, I've kind of refined it, right? You know, if you, if you had one red pill left uh, to, to give to someone, who would you give that pill to and why? I see. Uh, uh, until very recently, I, I'm a huge uh, Apple fanboy. So obviously I know he's not around anymore, uh, but mine would be Steve Jobs. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I love uh, everything that he was about when he was around and, and, you know, the, the innovation and, and what he did for the tech space and, you know, with the whole introduction of the iPhone, obviously I'm conscious that he wasn't the sole designer or anything like that. He was kind of the face of it. I just think he would be the, the perfect fit for the, uh, for the Bitcoin ethos of, uh, you know, uh, I, I just think he would be uh, a great one to, to sort of uh, not be the face of, of Bitcoin, but uh, to, to get on board, if you like. Um, yeah, if, I, sure. if, I, if I had to pick somebody that was alive, uh, probably in the same vein, I'm a big Elon fan. Uh, I know you get this one a lot. Yeah. Uh, but uh yeah i think uh, i think we're all pretty comfortable by now that we know he's already a bitcoin i don't know what you think 100 percent. there's uh there's just too many telling signs on his twitter if you ask me it, come on man like th- this is what paypal was supposed to be exactly exactly you, n- nobody that builds their own rockets doesn't <laughs> understand and uh it isn't a Bitcoiner for me. No way. Not, no, no way in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I think the only reason he didn't, he hasn't done his own tokens is because like, it'd be just, then it would become glaringly obvious, but like, you know, to, to have like, um, you know, he could do a real tongue in cheek one, like a boring coin, uh, which would be awesome. Uh, I'm sure it would probably sell as well. Yeah, it, absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, anybody that's into the boring company would just like hoover up those boring coins. And, you know, you, you could see it playing out like in 10 to 15 years time. Um, those that have boring coins in their Teslas can, can use the boring tunnel at peak hours. It's just like there's so much to be done. Um, that, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the, uh, the Robin Hood crowd would snap it up as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Um, Robin Hood, bloody hell! That's um, what. What do you want to say about that? Anything that um, you, you might want to like warn the listeners about? Stay away. <laughs> simply, um, obviously, I don't agree with it. You know, it, it's uh, putting uh, too much power into the hands of people that don't know what they're doing uh, again uh, i'm by no means an expert i'm certainly not a stock trader um but if uh, if it sounds too good to be true the chances are it probably is um so uh again going back tying it back into bitcoin do you, you know do your own research tread carefully and uh, never ever invest more than you can afford to lose this is the like this is the the weird thing about Bitcoin, right? Um, people think it's a get rich quick scheme, whereas it's a get rich slowly scheme. I mean, I know we have these super bull market um, cycles, but you know, like the winters are long, 
and the the bear markets are brutal um but the, like the, the thing about it is it's not rigged whereas like the robin hood and the stock market and like the financial legacy system that we've you know all been born to and, and grown up with is rigged it's just rigged and anyone that's said you know if it if I if I tweet that out, I get like some very angry like stock traders, day traders come back at me like you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, right, okay, whatever, good luck in life. It's rigged. It's rigged, yeah. rigged, rigged. Completely the fact agree. that they can just pl- print money out of nowhere means it's rigged. Like you know, would you sit? Would you walk into a casino, sit at a table that had one thousand decks in the shoe in the um, in the card shoe? Or the table that had one deck. That's the way you got to yeah, look at it. I like it. that. I like that. Yeah. And and um, I think uh, we, yeah, people are slowly starting to wake up to that fact. And you know, one of the popular memes at the moment is uh, the guy holding the cardboard with why pay taxes when they can just print money. And, and I think that's uh, a good example of the fact that so-called uh, you know I, i'm not a big fan of the term but so-called normies and so-called just normal people just are, are waking up to the fact that something's not right and uh i think it's inevitable that they are going to slowly look for an alternative and uh you know let's hope me and you have picked the right one here yeah well that, yeah definitely um <laughs> i'm pretty sure we have uh let's put it this way and um you know it's uh, i know a lot of um like um financial advisors and stuff they come on these kind of shows and uh they have to do the 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 disclaimer um do your own research you know i represent this this and that and uh this is not investment advice and you know i'm I'm more than happy to say this is investment advice by Bitcoin. <laughs> they must be screaming inside for what they really want to say, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not legally bound to say that bullshit, um, which is nice. Um, you know, it's like, you know, let's get people woken up. Let's get people on board. Do it slowly. Do it diligently. Do it safely. Do it like, you know, um, like everything that Bitcoin Q&A has just um, described. Um take the steps enjoy the journey enjoy the process um there's a whole community here already that have made the mistakes and, but are just like you know open arms welcome the welcome mat is always rolled out and um it's uh, you know a joy to welcome new new bitcoiners yeah i completely agree you know there's 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 absolutely a wealth of people out there that are all too ready to spend their own time to um, just to help and, and to help people understand and to get people started and just all I would say is don't be afraid to ask the questions you know I've, I've been there I was that person I'm sure you were at one stage as well and um, one of the guys uh, one of the samurai guys uh, BTC Zelko's helped me a hell of a lot um, used a phrase recently called uh, and he said you know we're all standing on the shoulders of giants um, and that kind of stuck with me and you know that's one of the things that I think you know it's kind of beholden on me and you and everybody who's learned a little bit to to pay that forward and and help out the next wave of people that are slowly starting to discover uh, to discover what this thing's all about 100% man it's a weird 
responsibility to to hold and i don't know why it resonates so deeply with um you know with people like yourself and uh and myself and you know some of the authors i've had on um you know safety and canute uh, andy you know everyone's doing just uh, like amazing work no one's getting paid to do this by the way <laughs> you know yeah, very, very that'd be nice. yeah <laughs> right um one day i don't know one day but um we were joking I, the other day Depends how you look at it, though, because, you know, if, if we're playing our part and we're getting new users into the space, increasing the demand for the that, you know, one of the world's scarcest assets, you know, uh, I, I think it plays into the fact that, you know, again, I, I touched on it on Twitter with you, and, and I'm not a big fan of the whole hype cycle, number go up and et cetera, but ultimately, you know, the math says that if there's more people coming in and there's, you know, yeah. supply and demand, then... It, there's only one thing that can happen eventually. You're right, man. Maybe we're doing this because, you know, like we intrinsically know we, we just like that there's something inside us that knows that, you know, what that the, the time we are spending now is going to be exchanged for value in the future. Um, because we are, we've already started stacking stats and, uh, the more people that we bring in, um, is going to push it we hope higher, uh, it will go through ridiculous cycles. We will have a bull run and then it will come back down. But, you know, um, over time, you know, the, the volatility is to the upside. Um, maybe that's our payback. Maybe we just got to be, we got, we got to stack in a, a sensible way and, uh, and, and bite our time. Yeah. I mean, like I say, when, when I first started to really discover Bitcoin and started to get into it, obviously I was skeptical at first, you know, there was a lot of hype around it. And, and, and if you take a good look around and you see thousands of people dedicating their lives to this stuff, um, there's got to be something in there that's driving the, all of those people to do that and to make those decisions and to spend that time, um, uh, you know, to, to, to develop, to educate, to help people. It's uh, it, uh, something that sticks in my mind. There's, there's got to be something there that's driving all these people to, to do that. 100%, man. And, you know, here I am now. It's almost quarter past 10 in my part of the world. It's quarter past nine, your part of the world. Um, we're we're going to end this call now. I'll probably then spend another hour and a half on um, – on Twitter interacting with uh, or telegram interacting with some other Bitcoiners and like, you know, catching up on the day's news. Um, it's, uh, it's an awesome space to be in. I feel very privileged to, to be able to add value to it in some way. And I'm sure you do too. I really thank you for, for taking the time tonight and, um, your website is awesome. What you're doing on Twitter is amazing. Um, you know, come deck 31st when you release that that thread, that's going to help uh, many more people coming in. And um, well, where's the price going to be? Bitcoin Q and A. I can't believe you're doing that to me. <laughs> uh, it will be higher than it is today. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I'll say, or, or all I'll hope for. And at time of recording, listeners, um, I will look at Clark Moody again. It's um, in US dollars terms, uh, 9,283. And I did tweet Clark the other day to, to ask whether he would be able to um, put some different currencies on there, um, sterling, euro, yen, whatever it is. Um, and uh, I, I think that would be a nice addition. I don't know. Do you have any thought, thoughts about that, mate? 
Uh, I'm, I'm kind of at that space now where I've uh, thankfully stopped checking the price. Um, I use uh, Samurai Wallet. Uh, you know, it won't take to two minutes on my website or reading my Twitter to know that I'm a massive Samurai fan. Um, yeah. And they don't ha- actually have uh, fiat prices on their app, which also helps kind of uh, uh, helps you go cold turkey because I know everybody goes through that step of checking the price every two minutes. You know, they they put a little bit of money in and, and they, they want to know, oh my God, you know, has it gone up? Has it gone down? Um, but thankfully, you know, I'm past that place now and, and I look for... Um, like you say, app developments or, or protocol developments, that's what sort of really uh, really gets me going, which I suppose is a, is a good place to be in because it kind of uh, insulates you from the, the severe price swings up or down like you, like you touched on earlier. Yeah, man. It's, um, yeah, I still, I, still, I still take a peek. Um, it's my... Um, I spent 18 years looking at foreign exchange, so it's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of uh, get a gauge for the price on Twitter. Even yeah. though nobody actually tweets the price out, you can kind of uh, judge the sentiment on there and think, oh, there's a lot of people in a bad mood. It's probably uh, it's probably took a dump today. Yeah, for sure. Um, or if you see the, um, the the bull memes coming out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or the roller coaster memes as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which... Um, it's been fun. Come join the meme war, um, everybody listening, because uh, there is some amazing stuff coming out. Uh, Bitcoin Q&A and I are uh, part of a, a select group of Bitcoiners at the moment that are doing some pretty amazing things, which um, I don't know, man. It, it's, puts, it puts hairs on the back of my neck. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's certainly uh, when you speak to, to people, uh, you know, on Telegram and stuff like that it, and you see the, the good work that they're putting in, um, it, you know, it drives you to, to you know, to, to keep spending the time to help people um, and to, uh, you know, push the space forward. And, you know, I'm not saying that I'm a, a, a massive Bitcoin contributor, but like you say, if everybody plays their, their small, tiny part, um, you know, we, we might just pull this thing off for sure, man. Well, thanks so much again and uh, really appreciate this. I'm sure many listeners are going to um, feel the same way. And um, yeah, let's hope um, let's hope this episode drops a few red pills or orange pills uh, in people's mouths. Fingers crossed. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's show and thanks to Bitcoin Q&A for coming on and uh and sharing a beer and um, talking all things Bitcoin because that's, um, you know, that was a pure educational one. Really, um, really great for for anybody, really. Um, you know, it, it was not for just total beginners. There's, um, I think if we're all humble enough, I think we'll all remain total beginners in this space uh, to some extent. And uh, having somebody like Bitcoin Q&A come on um, and discuss these things in, in a way well, actually, he found it challenging after, you know, I've spoken to him a few times afterwards. Um, he, he found it really challenging uh, to put everything in as uh, simpler terms as possible. And between us, we were definitely kind of bouncing off each other to try and like refine each other's language of, of how to do that, how to explain it in the most simplest of terms to somebody that, you know, is just asking you for that first time. You know, you might be in a bar, you might be a party, you might, um, you know, be out with uh, another family and you just get that quick question. 
and you're like, oh man, <laughs> this is going to take all day. Um, so it's it's nice to arm ourselves with um, a few little bits and pieces, and you never know with which with what to start with, right? You know, what aspect of, of Bitcoin should you start with, with, with certain people? It's, um, it's a difficult one and, um, something I'm still trying very hard to, to master. Um, reach out to Bitcoin Q and A on Twitter, really, uh, you know, very, um, underfollowed account, uh, as you heard in the, um, in the interview, um, he's just been putting this thing together quite recently, getting huge amounts of, feedback on twitter and, and other podcasters as well uh i shouting him out um at the time of recording this was the first show somebody might have already interviewed him and put him out um you know that's uh that's also great um we, we need as many retweets and as many podcasters reaching out to people like bitcoin q a uh, amongst the podcasters in the space i'm sure there is some crossover of listeners but each person might have their their own pocket of listeners which um you know, we, we, we're trying to reach as many people as possible and get as diverse as possible, as around the world as possible. And, um, you know, any any kind of retweets or shout outs for, for people like Bitcoin Q&A, you know, tag him with other podcasters. Let's help him, you know, get his, uh, get his message spread. Go check out his website. It's amazing. Uh, that is now bookmarked right next to the Clark Moody dashboard for me. So if there's ever a kind of a question lingering in my mind, you know, that's um, that's the place I'm going to head to. Really appreciate you guys sticking around and listening again. And thanks, as always, for all of the support that keeps coming in. Really appreciate that. Not sure where um, to go next with the podcast. Open to suggestions. Uh, I did have an, uh, a, a website up and run, running early, but um, uh, I need to put some more work into that sharpen that up a little bit and uh, help people um, find more content um, about Bitcoin. So last couple of uh, messages. Um, I want to say thanks again to CoinFloor for supporting the show and Obi. Go find Obi's interview on my show if you've not checked it out. Uh, and that's coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. If you have access to the UK banking system, you can start your stacking sats journey with those guys. Um, if you're in the US, head over to swanbitcoin.com forward slash once bitten. Thanks to Corey and Jan for coming on the show and um, creating, you know, an amazing Bitcoin only uh, onboarding ramp. Go start stacking your sats. Go do it. Go start very, very slowly. Um, you know, be be careful. Start learning because as soon as you start getting a skin in the game, you can start learning. And they have all the educational resources there on the website you can go to as well and hit up bitcoinqna.com to make sure that, um, you know, you, you're going to get drip fed this information. It's um, it's not a race, guys. There's uh, plenty of people that have been in the space many, many years and uh, are still learning, learning, learning. But it's fun. And, um, you know, you, you'll meet some amazing people. So if you are new to the space, welcome and, um, you know, buckle up. It's, uh, it's an amazing experience. Thanks as always, guys, for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for retweeting. Thanks for liking. If you're doing that, it's making a difference. It really is. Uh, people are reaching out and um, it's becoming a lot easier to attract guests to the show uh, which is what we're all about. Let's just try and keep uh, bringing interesting people on and always point people in my direction. If if you hear somebody 
um, you know, talking about Bitcoin, you've not heard talk about Bitcoin before, um, head, you know, rotate me in a tweet or something, I'd more than happily reach out to them and, and see if they would like to come on the show as well. So take care wherever you are. And thank you so much for listening.